Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange... The Bizarre, The Unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. This show might be a little bit disjointed uh, because neither Cat nor I have slept very well the last couple of nights. There's been, I don't know, insomnia. I hate it. It's terrible. Two nights ago, I, I couldn't sleep and I decided to do what I always do when I, I have trouble sleeping, and that's go into the kitchen and eat an entire pie. And so I'm out there, and Cat comes out to go to the bathroom, and she just kind of usually she you know acknowledges me, hey, how's it going? Eating another pie, I see. Uh, but she just goes into the bathroom, comes out, and goes back into the bedroom. I'm like, okay, well, fine, whatever. So I finish my pie, and I go to go back into the bedroom, and the door's locked. You yeah. lock you locked me out of the bedroom. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm standing out there in my underpants. With pie all over my face. This, okay, first and, of all, let's just establish that the pie thing is an exaggeration. It was a peanut butter jelly sandwich. It wasn't a whole pie. <laughs> That's just crazy. So I'm standing there with a whole pie <laughs> in my face, and I'm trying to decide how the hell I'm going to get in there without startling her. Uh, so I just gently kind of tapped on the door, just kind of like that. I thought, yeah, that's that's probably that's going to startle her more if I continue to do that. So I got a paperclip and I'm trying to pick the lock with a paperclip. At this point, Cat opens the door and she's holding a, a knife in her hand. Listen, you are grossly miss It was a bread knife. <laughs> representing what happened she here. She keeps it on her bedside table. All right. So I got up to pee. I came back to bed. I laid down. And I thought I heard something from out in the living room. Now, I'm 100% always concerned that someone's breaking into our house. Always. And I'm ready for it. So I heard something, and I was kind of like, well, maybe, you know, this house makes noise, whatever. And then You didn't I, even recognize that I wasn't in I bed. I did not. <laughs> no, I did not acknowledge. I didn't Thanks. recognize that in any way. 
I was, uh, yeah. So I started to fall back asleep, and then I heard the faintest knocking. And I I thought, is that real? I should have just scraped my nails on the door. Oh, stop. <laughs> so I sat there for a minute quietly thinking, maybe I had just fallen asleep a little bit, and I was imagining it, but I was going to be real quiet and just listen. So I did... And then I heard someone fucking with the doorknob. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, shit, I got to protect my family. So I hopped out of bed and I ran around the bed and I got to the door and I whipped it open and stuck my head out. Just at the moment I went, wait, is JG not in bed? <laughs> yeah. Why would, a, why would a robber knock on the door? Yeah, that doesn't make like, any all sense. All of it made yeah. sense all at the same time. Mm. But I was like... On guard, oh, and yes. I was gonna, yeah. I was protect. Yeah, that's what you do. I was attack. And uh, so then I realized it was you just as I was opening the door, and you were like, You locked me out. And I was on the verge of tears. My adrenaline was so high. And I, I gave Kat a big hug, and I could feel her heart beating <laughs> about a hundred beats a minute. And uh, as I hugged her, I got pie all over her. And That part's not true. Anyway. She protect. She attack. She do. She don't realize her husband's not in bed. What you got for me? Oh. It's 2017. And a team of PhD students discovered an ancient village that dates back to before the era of the pyramids. The team discovered this village and within it ancient fish hooks and spears, as well as tools for making fire. However, they really hit the jackpot when they found an ancient cooking hearth from which they were able to obtain flakes of charcoal burnt by prehistoric Canadians. Prehistoric Canadians? Prehistoric Canadians! Oh, wow. Tell me more. So this ancient village was discovered when researchers were searching the Triquette Islands, an island located about 300 miles north of Victoria, British Columbia. So this team of students from the University of Victoria's archaeology department are studying what they found at this site. And it is believed to be the oldest settlement in North America. Using carbon dating on the charcoal flakes, the researchers were able to determine that the settlement dates back 14,000 years. Shut up. 14,000 years. That's Ice Age, bitch. Yeah, that was uh, 2,000 years before Atlantis sunk. Oh, Jesus. So an ancient archaeological find on this island is not only amazing just for history's sake, but it also adds credence to the oral histories of the Hiltzuk Nation. So these are original peoples. And their oral history talks of a strip of land just in this area where the excavation took place. It was a place that, according to this history, never froze during the Ice Age. And it was where wow. the people from surrounding areas came to to seek refuge, to to flock to for their survival. This is according to cbc.ca. It's amazing to me that there is a part of Canada that's never frozen. <laughs> like, for real. Um, just on a regular day, let alone the Ice Age. Mm. Uh, the finding has broader implications for human history. So, as I said, it's amazing that this uh, group of people who've had this legend, this oral history, um, it's being 
supported now by this this science. But also, the early North Americans, they now believe, may have traveled the coast. So one theory of how humans entered the Americas is that they came over from Asia on an Alaskan land bridge through an ice-free corridor east of the Rockies and made their way through what is now eastern and central Canada. Across the Bering Straits. That's right. right. The alternative theory... UFOs? No. That is now supported by this data, as well as evidence that has come from stone tools and other carbon dating, is that people were traveling by boat Hmm. and moving along the coast rather than coming across. So from this site, it's apparent that they were rather adept at hunting sea mammals and that that may be because they were they were boaty types. <laughs> Alicia Gavaro, who is a PhD student at the University of Victoria and a researcher, said in an interview with CBC that the ancient settlement on Triquet Island really adds additional evidence to this theory. Archaeologists had long thought that the coast would have been completely uninhabitable and impassable when that is clearly now not the case. That's fascinating. It really is. I found a couple of really interesting articles about it uh, in smithsonianmag.com and allthatsinteresting.com and, uh, as I said, cbc.ca. And all of them interview this team of researchers, which was led by a University of Victoria student. And she's the one who discovered this incredible place that is opening up doors to understanding our history um, like, like maybe nothing else has. It's certainly hitting the reset button in many ways, isn't it? I mean, to think that uh, 14,000 years ago, I had no idea that there were people in North America that early on. Yeah, and it's so important for um, the original peoples of that area when they are looking to obtain protections for certain lands they now have something so much more than just this is our oral history. This is science that shows that this is something that is part of our history and it needs to be protected. And it's a it's a wonderful thing that they have now available to them uh, because of this stone hearth and fishing equipment. That's crazy. Yeah. 14,000 years ago. Mm. Alicia Gavaro, who helped uncover the site, um, it was so cute. I just have to share this. So she's doing an interview (laughs) about how she found this (laughs) incredible thing. And they're doing the carbon dating and they got the results back, which, as you can imagine, that that time when you're waiting is must be exhausting. And you're just like, I want to know what I've just found. And so she (laughs) she said, I remember when we got the dates back and we just sat back and we said, holy moly, this is old. (laughs) (laughs) That's adorable. It's just the sweetest thing. I've always been fascinated with the the idea that uh, we migrated from Asia over the land bridge into North America Mm. and wondering how far back that went. I just read an article about um, a particular group of First Nation peoples who live in the British Columbia area. And they were almost wiped out in the 19th century, but now they have, uh, they've kind of come back to the point where I think there's maybe like eight or 900 people mm-hmm. from this particular group left. And what makes 
this unusual is they claim to have been in that area for thousands and thousands of years. Mm. And they have um, in their DNA, there is uh, something in the genetic profile that causes that makes them more susceptible to a very rare disease. Almost nobody has this particular disease. And I can't remember. I don't have it right in front of me. But they have found that this particular disease was prevalent in the 13th and 14th dynasty of ancient Egypt. This is the only place that they have seen this type of um, disease to this level, Mm -hmm. as many cases as they have found. It was very common amongst the pharaoh's family in the 13th and 14th dynasty. Then there's very little trace of it anywhere until it shows up in British Columbia. That's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, uh, you know, on our uh, on our like dumb human brain level, we want answers. And sometimes we put things together that, that seems to make sense. Um, but we, when we get new evidence, we have to move forward. And it just it shows that uh, recent studies show that because of the time frame that we thought that people moved across that land bridge that connected modern day Siberia to Alaska, there just there weren't the resources there that would have had sure. needed to have been there to support life. So it makes sense now that maybe maybe they tootled on across the ocean <laughs> from Egypt. <laughs> like well, what? Yeah, yeah, it's really strange. And to add to that, not only do they have a similar genetic profile, but their myths and stories are similar. Oh. And they even use similar words. The language that these people spoke was almost wiped out because of 19th century bullshit. Sure. But there's been a real effort to preserve it. And some of the words are very, very similar to words that were used in the 13th and 14th dynasty in Egypt. That is fascinating. Yeah. I'd like to learn more about that. I mean, this was just a story about neat old stuff, but I mean, that's that's, that's pretty cool. That is very cool, yeah. and the the idea that uh, I don't know, it's sometimes we section things off, like our knowledge and our timelines, and and it's like this is this and that is that, but in reality. Every single thing that has ever happened ever is connected somehow. Somehow, and so uh, it's really interesting to to kind of pan back and go like, oh well, maybe mm-hmm. you know. And there are a lot of maybe still, of course, but that's that's really interesting. And now that thing in the middle. Here's a list of unusual medication side effects. <laughs> well, we were just talking about unusual potato chip side effects the other day. <laughs> that's so. true. Mirapex. It's a drug for Parkinson's disease, but it can cause restless leg syndrome and an unusual urge to gamble. Oh, wow. Weird. That is weird. This is one that I've heard of before. Number four, Chantex. It's one of the most popular medications used to stop smoking. But one of the weirdest side effects is that it can turn your dreams into nightmares. (laughs) Uh, Many people reported that they had insane, incredibly vivid, terrifying dreams while taking Chantex. Ambien has been known to cause severe sleepwalking. What what does that mean, severe Um, sleepwalking? So I have a friend who used to take Ambien, and she would she did really well with it. She mm. would sleep well, but if she took it and didn't go to sleep, like if she wouldn't sleep, she yeah. would 
forced herself to stay up, she lost her goddamn mind. Really? Yeah, it was real weird. What did she do? She wouldn't remember. Ambien can also cause sleep driving and sex somnia. Mm. Number two, Crestor. It is a popular cholesterol medication, and it does lower the risk of stroke and heart attack while potentially making you more confused and forgetful, also ratcheting up female aggression. (laughs) Wow. Oh. And number one, Propecia. That's, of course, for male pattern baldness, but um, it can also cause abnormal ejaculation. (laughs) What does that mean exactly? Like spiders? Or I'm not sure... I want to know. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout. 
and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. In Toth, this is The Box. Well, well, someone's got break time. <clears throat> okay, break's over. This is The Box of Oddities. So we talked the other day about our engagement and how it was lovely and beautiful. And I did end up posting some photos on Instagram. <laughs> so um, you get to be a part of the action there. Oh. Great. <laughs> well, there were no actual photos of the engagement itself. Oh, good. Due to it being just my forehead. Right. Um, and me but... looking bewildered, like somebody had just whacked me in the back of the head with a bicycle seat. <laughs> anyway. Again. After we uh, talked about that, we got a message from Matt Van Hosen. Gosh, I hope I'm saying that name right. He wrote, hey, guys, I just listened to your shipping container marriage proposal episode. I loved it. I thought I'd pass along my nautical engagement story as well. Not long ago, <laughs> I proposed to my lovely fiance aboard the haunted Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. No ghostly sightings for us, but it was a magical evening that featured a personal tour from the ship's Commodore, followed by an intimate private performance from the world's number one David Bowie tribute artist. <laughs> <laughs> it was truly a unique and wonderful night that culminated with the future misses saying yes as I got down on one knee in the Queen's Salon ballroom and popped the question. Aww. I am so jealous. I wrote back immediately and I was like, this is a wonderful story. Can we share it? I absolutely want to shame JG for not proposing <laughs> yeah, to thank, me on a haunted ship. Thank you for that, <laughs> Matt. Yeah, you were showing me that and I was I was looking at it, did a little stalking myself and Matt's won a couple of Emmys and has worked with uh, projects that have been on Comedy Central. Yeah, and uh, TBS Network, uh, original cartoons and such, producer, director. Kind of kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. All right, I got this information from CNN, The Sun, and News 9, Oklahoma City. Okay. On April 8th, 1969, a guy named John Alva Porter, who was 69, at the time, was traveling in a green Chevy. He was 69 in 1969. Yes, he was. Oh, isn't that yeah. wonderful? He was uh, He was traveling in a green Chevy with uh, a sibling, Arlie Porter, and a friend, uh, Nora Marie Duncan, who was 58. They all went missing. They just disappeared. Oh. Porter's granddaughter, Debbie McManaman, 
said in two, in 2013, it's been so long, 44 years. There are a lot of things we can't answer because we just don't know. His bank account was left untouched. His house was locked up. His utilities were on. He just appeared to walk away. Well, you said his name was... Porter. Are you sure it wasn't Portal? Oh, there you go. I'm just saying, he's 69 <laughs> in 1969. What was he driving in 1969? Vehicle? No, actually, it was. Was like, he sixty nine? Was from. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> it's John Porter, not John Portal. If there was a portal in the John, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> so even though John Porter was sixty nine years old, he was a pretty tough guy. In fact, he used to ride bulls and and take part in a Wild West show. He was oh, like a rodeo guy. That's fun. So decades passed with no word of what happened to John. And his passengers. Until? Well, I'm getting there. Yeah! In a seemingly unrelated case, just one year later, in the same area, three teenagers, Jimmy Allen Williams, who was 16, Leah Gale Johnson, who was 18, and Thomas Michael Rios, 18, went missing the night of November 20th, 1970. They went for a ride around Sayre, Oklahoma, in Williams' blue Camaro, Uh, According to the Doe Network, which is a volunteer organization that helps law enforcement in solving cold cases. Okay. Only six days before they went missing, Jimmy bought this used Camaro. It was a, you know, it's a, it's a 69 Camaro. It's pretty rad. Pretty slick car. Williams was supposed to go to a football game in Elk City and the three teens never showed up at the football game, nor did they ever return home. The car was not found. Sayer residents were horrified. After the disappearances, this is what's great about a small town. They held a candlelight vigil for years and years and years, decades, in fact, every year. Three or four sheriffs have tried to solve the 1970 disappearance of the teens, as well as the disappearance of John Porter. So it just turned into a cold case with no clues. There were just no leads, no clues. Now, Jimmy Williams had worked at a mom-and-pop grocery store. Everyone expected him to return to work the next day, but uh, he never did. Police Chief Ronnie Harold told CNN, local residents have been making up their own theories for years about what happened Mm. to these teens and also what happened to John Porter and, uh, and his passengers. The theories go from A to Z, he said. Literally, most people think that uh, they ran into bad guys. Maybe somebody apprehended them. Maybe they were robbed. Maybe they were kidnapped. Mm. For decades, nobody knew. Then one morning in September of 2013, highway, the Highway Patrol was conducting exercises with new sonar equipment on an Oklahoma lake. What the Highway Patrol found from their boat was macabre, to say the least. They found a car. And then equally surprising, they found another car right next to it. Yeah. <gasps> Rusted and caked with mud, a 1952 Chevrolet and a 1969 Chevy Camaro. Daryl Splon, who was a diver with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, was sent down after the sonar had located the corroding vehicles. They were sitting right next to each other in 12 feet of water, about 50 feet from the marina. Visibility in the water was almost nil. Okay. 
And of course, they had no idea how the vehicles got there. They had no idea what it was all, all about. At first, they thought they were stolen vehicles that had been abandoned and then dumped in the, in the water. And they were just sitting next to each other, submerged. Yes. Were there bodies inside? He said, it really didn't cross my mind as to a body being in there. But he dove down and he opened up the door and he reached in and he found a shoe. And he just thought it was, it was a shoe. But when they brought the cars ashore... It was determined that there were a total of six bodies inside both cars, three in each car. That's so strange. The cars had been submerged for all these decades. One car was facing forward. One car was facing backward. They were just feet apart. Both upright. Both upright. So the dive team goes back into the water and they start combing and scouring the bottom of the lake. And they, and they, um, they found a skull and a femur and some smaller bones during the initial search. After the searches, the vehicles were towed away. Now, this was in a place called Foss Lake. In Foss Lake, the level of the water was down dramatically that summer because if you recall back in 2013, there was a drought. I do not recall that, but that's fine. But I do know that oftentimes it's around lakes where the membrane between the two <laughs> dimensions, yeah, I'm right. just saying portal. The three teenagers who disappeared, they went for a ride in Williams' blue Camaro one night, uh, Williams and his friend had planned on attending that football game. Really what they were doing was, and, and they figured out this is probably what they were doing, um, they had gone hunting. They were oh. going poaching because they found rusted, corroded rifles in the back of uh, the Camaro. So the theory is that they said they were going to this football game, but they are all going to go out and poach. Got it. In the other car, Porter, Duncan, and Hammock were last seen uh, when their car was given a push to help it get started, according to a July 1969 newspaper article that was published in Oklahoma. So in 2014, the bodies were positively ID'd. The human remains found in the Camaro matched the general description of the three teenagers. The other remains matched the genders and ages of the three passengers in the green Chevrolet who went missing in 1969, according to the medical examiner. DNA tests proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that they were who that they thought they were. That's who they thought they were. Now, Jimmy Williams' brother, Gary, was 12 years old when his brother disappeared. Gary Gateway? The investigation revealed that uh, the windows in both cars were rolled up, except on the Camaro's driver's side, which was rolled down about four inches. There was a lot of damage to the undercarriage of the Camaro. And so the police believed that it crashed into the water, okay. that maybe they drove it off the end of the, uh, the marina. He said, you had three young kids in a muscle car, alcohol was in the vehicle, uh, probably just ran off the road and drowned. But Gary Williams isn't convinced his brother simply drove into the lake. He said, I don't think it was an accident. Jimmy is not going to sit there in a driver's seat and accept death by drowning without trying to kick a window out. Williams believes his brother's car may have rolled into the lake backwards. With the car in neutral. Oh, implying that someone had pushed the car into the lake. May have. All the damage to the vehicle, every bit of the damage can be attributed to a backward roll-in, he says. But there is some damage in the vehicle that can't be explained with forward impact. There seemed to be some sort of a forward impact. Jimmy would have had to turn completely around if you buy the forward impact theory. Well, if someone was pushing a car backwards mm -hmm. with their car that would cause a frontal impact i didn't even think about that that makes 100 percent sense 
The trooper agree that there's some, some things they just can't answer, but they say that there is no evidence of foul play. Um, the facts are the facts. I can't change those. He said a lot of things there that uh, we probably don't know because we didn't see it actually happen, but we have to look and see what is most probable. As for the uh, the green Chevy with the Porter Party in it, there's a lot of unanswered questions, too. I'm sorry. Porter Party? Porter Party, not Porta Potty. Uh, the driver's side door was open in the old Chevy, which was a mystery in itself, according to the trooper. A whole lot of things there that we really are not able to determine. And like the Camaro, there was al- uh, evidence of alcohol found inside the uh, the other Chevy, but there was no damage to that vehicle. We always felt like it was foul play, said Porter's granddaughter. That really hasn't been completely ruled out in our minds. So they really don't know. The best theory they think is, coincidentally, they both ended up in the lake by mistake. Maybe, you know, the the kids had it. Uh, they were drinking. They, they backed the car into the marina. They backed in. Um, it was left in neutral by mistake, and they rolled in and drifted down and couldn't get out. The Porter thing may have been, it appears as though they just maybe drove off the end by mistake at night, didn't see the end of the of the pier. I'm sorry, you brought this story to me with no answer? The answer is we don't know. <sighs> but at least the family got some closure, which is which is nice. I mean, absolutely. It would. It's just closure with more questions. And I think that's really frustrating. I mean, I, it's frustrating for me. I love your theory about the front impact somebody pushing them in. But the medical examiner determined that they all died by drowning. That well, being said, I mean, said, why are how, they not getting out of their cars if they're in the like what how 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 are six people, three in each vehicle, which is very weird on its own, mm. parked next to each other in the water? Like how are Within none year, of them getting out? How are none of them getting out? It was 12 feet of water. It wasn't like 80 feet down or something. Right. And it happened within a year. Yeah. Both of the dis- disappearance happened within a, a 12-month period. So there's a lot of weird things going on there. It's super weird. For sure. And the fact that it sat there in 12 feet of water, 50 feet from the end of the pier for decades, and nobody knew it was there is amazing. But here's another story where a guy made a very similar discovery on his own. This dude used to uh, live in uh, Grand Isles community in Wellington, Florida, and he moved away. And it, I guess he kind of missed the community. So he was on Google Earth and he was just, you know, checking out the neighborhood to oh, see yeah. how it looked. And there was a retention pond between his old house and a neighbor's house. And he's looking at the Google satellite Earth view and he saw a vehicle in the retention pond, it was not very far from the pond's edge, and it was not visible by the naked eye, but because of, you know, the satellite view, he said, that, geez, that looks like a car. So he called his former neighbor mm-hmm. who had a drone, oh. and they took the drone out and checked it out, and sure enough, there was a car in there. And so they call the authorities, the authorities pull the car out, there's a, a skeleton inside of it. Oh, no. And it turns out... The car had been in the lake for 22 years, and the body was of a guy named William Moult. In 1997, he was last seen leaving a nightclub before he phoned his girlfriend that he was on his way home. Witnesses said that Moult left alone inside his vehicle, did not appear intoxicated. 
A day later, when Malt's whereabouts were still unknown, his family reported him missing to the police. The case went unsolved for 22 years. He was 40 years old at the time. And it wasn't until some you know, former nosy neighbor with, with a Google satellite view found his car. And the thing is, the car had been available on Google satellite view since 2007. And it wasn't discovered until last fall. Sure. Well, I was Google street viewing a while ago, and I came across a uh, shot in front of a house with a car going by, and there was a child hanging out of the um, trunk. Uh, He's, he was smiling, though. So, I mean, I figured wow, it was just a real for funsies. child yeah. uh, wasn't something that you get at the Halloween store to make it look like you're abducting children. No, or... no, it was uh, it was a kid. But it looked like uh, that there were two kids and it looks like maybe mom was, you know, letting them ride in the trunk like for funsies because mm-hmm. um, everyone looked really happy about what was happening. Oh, my God. Uh, it was very concerning. Um, but my general theory with like all things is be curious, be nosy, assume someone's going to burn something down, take note. I mean, we've told this story before where we went, uh, we drove by a local gas station and somebody was out there filling up a gas container and in your mind didn't think, well, probably they're going to mow their lawn. It went right to arson and you memorized their license plate number. <laughs> Later on, you're going to want to have details about the things that you saw. So be curious, be nosy, take note. That's why Kat keeps a butcher knife on the end table next to the bed. I thought you said it was a bread knife. It's a bread knife. always changing the kind of knife that I have on my end table. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. We appreciate the time that you spend with us. It makes our life so much more fun. And if you would, please uh, maybe leave us a positive review wherever you listen, iTunes or Spotify. It doesn't have to be positive, but if it's not going to be positive, then why bother? Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. We do. We just love some of you more than others. That's that's all. If you want to be loved the most, then give us a positive review. Love bribery. That's right. A love bribe. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm not. (laughs) We'll see you next time, family. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? 
Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.